Welcome to the Bourbon Library, hosted by the Bayless Brothers. A spirited conversation always served neat as barrel proof of our family bond. Grab a glass. The episode starts now. So, I'm sitting in my backyard the other night, in the Hudson Valley. The warm glow of crackling wood lighting my eyes, occasionally interrupted by the red brake lights of cars stopping at a nearby intersection. I finished eating some classic New York pizza, you know, the big slices. And I was sipping on some bourbon. Neat. This ain't always everyone's idea of heaven, but it's the heaven I got. My phone vibrates. It's a missed call from my dad. Always alerts me a little. He doesn't often call to just chat unless he's stuck at the store on Black Friday or has a particularly challenging crossword puzzle. His voicemail asks for me to call him back. He has a quick question. Hmm. And we will get to that question right after this short commercial interruption. Today, we're drinking Woodford Reserve. More specifically, Double Oaked. Now, this was inspired by a conversation I had with my dad the other night, the phone call. So my mom was out, she was helping my grandma run some errands, and he was also sipping on some bourbon. Double, double oaked by Woodford Reserve. He knows Alec and I have recently been vaccinated and has a surprise for us. He says that he and Timmy may or may not have been collecting bottles he knows we can't get to entice us to visit. Well, Dad, consider the hook baited. We're going to have to figure out what those bottles are, and very soon. We start to shoot the shit. We're talking about bourbon, as per usual, and how everyone experiences it differently. This leads to a less than perfectly scientific discussion, yet very interesting one, about taste buds. So I brought it up. With the gang. I was like, oh, it's like a firework, right? It like opens up in flavor as it goes along. And he's like, well, no, that's your taste buds. Not not the bourbon. The bourbon is what the bourbon is. Your taste buds are experiencing it along the way. And he, he brought it up uh, sort of from an evolutionary standpoint. That first taste is like, is this okay to drink? Or is this okay to eat? You know what I mean? It's like that. And then like by the time you get to the back, and why like we love a good finish is because that's like your tongue finally being like, all right, now I can enjoy this. Well, that's and like it's creating your... memory, right? For that food so that you go right. back to it, right? Sure. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't considered right? that. So, but but no, you're, you guys' conversation and that analogy is absolutely correct and right. And the tip of your tongue is, is the most sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. Or those things that are toxic to you or harmful mm-hmm. to you. But so you are absolutely right. And as it passes back over the tongue, right now you're creating, we go back to, you're creating that flavor memory mm-hmm. and that so that you can go back to it or, you know, what you like, right. Or, Hey, uh, that, that wasn't poison, but it made me sick. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Are you saying my comments were in good taste? They were in there he is. <laughs> you know what? Maybe just palatable. Oh, nice. That's a good one, bud. That's a mouthful. Hey, you know, you know, puns are the lowest form of humor well, that exists. I must be, I must be really short. <laughs> Flavor memories. I love this idea. Flavor as a vessel for nostalgia. 
Why do we connect flavors with moments in our life? What creates these so-called flavor memories? I don't want to pretend we have some sort of deep scientific understanding, because this is a bourbon program after all. But let's dream a little. Bourbon, it hits the tongue and there is this ancestral connection to life before our time. Our taste buds have receptors made from certain proteins, and these allow us to pick up certain flavors. These proteins were created by ancient genes, and I'm not talking about those acid wash ones that my dad wears on the weekends. Dad, it's time, it's time for new genes. I'm talking about genes with a big G. Genes have survived a very long trip, and much like bourbon, they come with a message from the past. According to a study done at Berkeley, scientists aren't sure why natural selection kept so many of these genes around and functioning, but some think that having many of these genes may allow us to sense and avoid a variety of different toxic compounds in our environments. In contrast to bitter receptors, sweet and umami sensing proteins are remarkably conserved. That is, their number and sequence haven't changed much over evolutionary time. Most vertebrates have three genes for sensing sweet and savory flavors, T1R1, T1R2, and T1R3. When T1R3 pairs with T1R1, the resulting receptor senses umami. Then T1R3 hooks up with T1R2, the structure senses sweet. Okay, I'm gonna pause for a second. I'm not entirely sure what the Terminator movies have to do with this, but it sounds super awesome. Let's continue. These three genes are the result of an ancient case of duplication and divergence that occurred more than 400 million years ago, before any vertebrae ever set foot on dry land. This is all according to evolution.berkeley.edu. In layman's terms, natural selection, for a variety of reasons beyond my understanding, has allowed us humans the good fortune of a lot of very well-preserved ancestral genes that have faithfully maintained our good sense of sweet, salty, sour, a little bitter, and definitely umami. In short, evolution has allowed us a roadmap for enjoying bourbon. So with that, let's talk tasting notes. Well, so here's the thing, Kyle, since Devin's not on, it's your job to every once in a while, I want you just to go, you know, this one really tastes like bourbon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one reminds me a lot of Woodford Reserve. It's weird. Um... <laughs> there we go. Now we got a Devin comment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of it? I, I've really... Double oaked is so good. good. So yeah. I'm on the nose first, right? Mm-hmm. And what and we it got? Has, it has a promise... Right? I mean, it has a sweet promise. Mm-hmm. I smell like cherry. I don't know if that's Me too. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Cherry and then a little bit of butterscotch. And then a little oaky. So just comparing. So I've got wow. the Woodford Master in my glass, but I'm smelling the double oaked. Mm-hmm. It's like a butterscotch bomb. Whoever said butterscotch, that's literally all I get out of the bottle. It's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, it does. It smells like a... I get all, all cherry. It's oh, you're, you're right, Kyle. I'm getting a strong butterscotch, which is nothing like the finish for me. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I'm tasting that chocolatey finish, too. The finish is real right. chocolatey, yeah. That's interesting because a lot of stuff is, like, hard to pick out, you know, a lot of bourbons. And this is no, so this is a strong, distinct. So there's two other things that I get on this because everything you guys say, I absolutely get. So I get 
this candy sugar taste. And I, I just can't, unless you've had like where they make candy sugar, right? Mm-hmm. That, that crystal. Like rock candy. Yeah. 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 But, but better than rock candy. I can't explain it. It's, it, but so I get a little bit of that on the sweet end on the finish. I, I taste the, the uh, Oak after, after I get the chocolate net, the yep. final linger that stays there is the, the tannin of the oak, but it's a nice flavor. It's not overpowering. This is like one of the most flavor forward bourbons I've had in a while. I mean, the, I, taste, I taste like cherry juice. I mean, it's like chocolate, like dad said too, and the chocolate on the back end, like it is a chocolate covered cherry in my mind. Like well, one of those like candy you bite, oh, this is delicious. Oh. Yeah, but I had it yeah. neat. I just had it neat. Now I'm going to have it on, on, on a, an ice cube. I swallowed it too fast. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of went down the wrong pipe. And I got that woody taste. Yeah. That I don't normally get when I would, like normally the chocolate's overpowering for me. For me, I taste cherry all the way through. In fact, I'm struggling to pull out some of the chocolate finish that I know my dad absolutely loves. I get the woodiness of the double oak. Let's talk about double oak for a second. They, they age it like normal Woodford. And then at some point in time, four or five years in, they put it in another brand new charred oak barrel. Mm. And I think the period is pretty short. It's like four to six months, I believe. Hmm. Maybe even less, but long enough to, to get a fresh exposure to uh, a new char. This is a really interesting process that's actually quite simple. I believe this extended opportunity for the juice to soak up more wood sugars in the double oak is a lot of fun and offers a reward for both the adventurous aficionados and the first-time sippers. So you guys made me double fist. You're both, you're both, <laughs> drinking, uh, you're all drinking uh, double oak. So I'm like, well, crap, I got to drink double oak too. You signed the waiver, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm in my own house. I won't leave. <laughs> uh, but the, the double oak, yeah, I'm getting uh, yeah, real, a lot of butterscotch on the front end, chocolate on the back end. The crazy thing is I'm getting almost the same flavors from the, from the batch proof, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not as strong. So, you know, like regular Woodford, I was thinking of being like really silky smooth. Like it's like mm-hmm. it, you get the flavors, but it's just really, and I hate using the word smooth to describe bourbon, but it's almost like silky. Sure. I get the same thing in the batch proof. It's just more flavorful. Uh, it's, it's like you're getting all those. Mm. So it's like a combination of the, like. It's the like how like flavors yeah. are not watered down. Right. Yeah. It's the same mash bill. It's the, the, the age, right? The single yeah. barrel age. Uh, in that, and it's not as Craig said, watered down. And they've picked certain barrels, right, that probably don't meet the flavor profile that they want for the, for the regular know, production, right? Um, but have, have an, a unique flavor profile that that we're picking up, right, that, or you're picking up in it. Um, well, this is like. Uh... Uh, I don't know why this comparison just came to my mind, but uh, in music, in like music mastering, they they focus on frequencies. So like a good song could have a guitar, a bass, a drum, whatever, and it could be a perfectly nice song. They're playing in the same key, all that stuff. But if the instruments are not, uh, or if when you write a song that you're using instruments that that frequencies aren't in the right places, 
it doesn't it will never fully gel as a song and i feel like i mean it could be fine to like the common ear but like from a mastering standpoint from like really fine-tuning like what a great song is the people who who are who can do that are the ones like from a recording engineer standpoint are the ones who can hear and, and recognize when free when something needs to be like you know you need to hit different frequencies so maybe it's even like instead of a piano you use bells or you know what i mean or maybe that one needs to that guitar needs to be in a different key to work or whatever i feel like that's what's happening here too is like uh with these good bourbons that are really fine-tuned they're like uh they're they're really aware of their layers instead of like kind of putting it all together and being like this is the magic juice they're really thinking about how the layers uh and how far apart the layers of flavor need to be from one another does that make sense because it's like the cherry and the chocolate are very different flavor things flavor profiles but they go together so beautifully wow so all that was just to mention that chocolate and cherry go together (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i blacked out what happened with all this tasting talk I started to think about wine sommeliers and their expert abilities to call out flavors and regions and all that magic expert wine stuff that they do with their fancy names. And was there a bourbon equivalent? Here's a short answer. Yes. And it's a pretty cool name, actually. The Bourbon Steward. The good folks at staventhief.com have developed an industry standard certification program described as this the certified bourbon steward membership is a self-study program for bourbon enthusiasts from all walks of life this in-depth program is designed so that once you're a bourbon steward you'll be able to discuss america's native spirit both confidently and accurately as well as be able to make recommendations to friends family and others based on their individual taste and preferences. And it looks like with their executive bourbon steward program, they appear to go even further. In 2018, the Kentucky Distillers Association adopted the certification as the official bourbon education course of the organization, according to distiller.com. Which goes on to quote Chris Morris, the master distiller at, of course, Woodford Reserve, who helped to set up the curriculum. He says, this certification is viewed as the standard in the bourbon industry. It offers students accurate, in-depth information, as well as the tools and techniques required to discern and interpret the subtle nuances of bourbon whiskey. Very cool. Perhaps someday we can become certified stewards of the spirit we love the most. But until then, we're on a flavor journey, keeping detailed notes and marking our genetic memories for the future drinker and our lineage of bourbon hunters. There's this evolutionary process that happens that makes tasting safe. Our bodies are, uh, over time, are, are, uh, are somewhere in our brain, there are DNA or something, there is a, a message from the ancestors, which is sort of works perfectly with bourbon, right? It's also a message from the ancestors. But uh, flavor memory, what, uh, tasting this, for instance, where does this take you? Does it take you anywhere? So I'm drinking the double double and it's it's a little spicier, it got a little more bite. It, it reminds me of a good snickerdoodle. So it takes you and to when, a bite of a snickerdoodle. And you, and when did you have snickerdoodles? Do you remember snickerdoodles? Remember oh, the yeah. first time you had a snickerdoodle? Kindergarten? Aunt Maybe. Cindy. Makes me think of Aunt Cindy. Oh yeah, Aunt Cindy. 
Yeah, that's like a dad's sister's thing, snickerdoodles. <clears throat> they were like a special cookie because, I mean, we just did peanut butter cookies in our house most of the time. You mentioned Talk. Cindy. A couple of Christmases ago, she did a progressive dinner at her house. Mm-hmm. And instead of going house to house, we did it all at her house, but we went room to room. Uh-huh. And we finished on the back porch with dessert, which I did Woodford Reserve Double Oaked with dark chocolate. Oh, that's nice. For dessert. A little bit lazy, but nice. <laughs> hey, lazy maybe, but it was a $60 oh, yeah. bottle of bourbon. Oh, yeah. No, expensive, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, by that time, I had drank too much and and. Started telling Debbie to shut the fuck up and make the cake. <laughs> you, so you ruined it? No, they all enjoyed the chocolate and the bourbon. They liked it. Was that, the, was that the video they sent me? Uh, yes. Yes, I remember that. Yes. I was yeah. like, oh, Dad's hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the weird thing for me, and it does it every single time I have Woodfurs, it takes me back to being on an airplane. So... <laughs> And it sounds so weird, but so Delta, I almost always fly Delta and Same. Delta's bourbon is Woodford. So mm. whenever I go on like a, honestly, whenever I get on an airplane for the most part, I'm like, you know, I order, I order a bourbon. I used mm. to just order bourbon straight up and just, I'd, you know, pour my little, pour my little tiny Woodford bottle into my glass and, you know, slam as many as I could. <laughs> before takeoff before yeah, yeah. before during after <laughs> on the ground either way yeah but, i'm not i'm not flying until i can drink on an airplane yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's postponed right now if so, you sit in first class you can still get drinks uh, uh, i, I, I you, didn't sit in first class but i learned that yeah. <laughs> i've seen first class yeah i, I've walked I past saw it. them drinking up there and i was like i'd say that'd be that. nice <laughs> where, where does this bottle take you timmy so the chocolate and cherry flavor takes me in the sweetness takes me to when I was a kid and around Christmas or Valentine's, my dad would get those, um, chocolate covered. Yeah. Uh, Queen Anne's Queen Anne's. Cher- yeah. That maybe that was it. Cherries. And yep. so it reminds me of that, that, that kind of, uh, uh taste and that kind of uh, festive kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, I love drinking it with your dad. I love that when we went, it's a Woodford and we did the tasting and that this was the best bourbon that they served us Yep. in that. And so all of that too. I'll never forget the man's face at Woodford who that was mustache, doing man. with an amazing mustache. And I remember the fog was like rolling in. It was the fall in Kentucky. And I remember he looked for whatever reason, he didn't look like him, but he had an essence like my grandpa. Like my grandpa Bayless. Oh, totally. The and big remember, white. Yeah. Yeah. He just had a very similar essence. I remember seeing my dad talk to him and I thought, I was like, wow, that's funny. It's like, really looks like his dad. He has the same um, swagger. Yeah. Same swagger. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It always feels like, yeah. Grandpa's a really interesting character too, because, uh, you know, he was, he's uh, been such a huge part of our life. Obviously he's our grandfather and he's, he's, uh, uh, but it's like uh yeah, for a little while, he, I was thinking about him last night. I guess that's what makes me think of this. But he is like a, a ghost or something. He was like the prodigal son. He was gone for a little while and then sort of like came back around and like in this like big, great way. And he's just got this, I don't know, that guy just, I remember seeing that being like, ah, it's, there's like, I kind of wanted to know that guy's story too. Like people that, there are a certain generation that's they're kind of like uh, aging into wizard mystical 
generation oh, yeah. or something. I mean, his his mustache was stained yellow from cigar smoke. Yeah, <laughs> he was like completely white hair. He just like had you know. Um, it was like Grandpa and, and Back he, to the Future. It was kind of like like Kurt ah. Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut yeah. and Charler, Charles Bukowski had a child, and it was this guy. Yeah. And like, yeah. I just remember on that trip, he like, you could see all the Rick houses behind him, and he was like, "Yeah, we're we're barreling whatever, and one barrel goes for this amount of money, and there's 250 barrels in that room." He's like, "You can do the math," and <laughs> and then he's like, "And we have 50 of those buildings," and it was like millions of dollars, just like well, behind him, and and how and you know Rick houses, and I was just like, "Well, and they're they're interesting because they they are as corporate." as I think bourbon gets, but they still somehow maintain such an authenticity. Well, which do you is think like, that he is somebody that is um, somewhere? Uh, do you think he's a, he's just a volunteer that <laughs> is really good at it? Or do you I feel think- like he's someone who works there. Okay. Who's worked there for years. That's right. the feeling. And, and I mean. For years, for years. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He has the education of time. Yeah. Like he he mm-hmm. saw it happen, right? Uh, the master distiller for Woodford and the assistant are, are uh, he's been around a little bit. He's a little bit older than she is. Chris uh, Morris. A, a man and, and woman team. And she was, she, she worked before she became assistant master distiller. She worked in the R&D for like 10 years or something doing research and development. And I thought about what an amazing job that would be just to get to like, you just get to kind of fuck around. <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, it's, it's more than that, but I mean, she's probably like having to have somewhat <laughs> philosophical and scientific questions about bourbon, the, about bourbon. To, to me, right? people that work in the experimental side of bourbon, I, I yeah. always look at that. Like it has to be the greatest job ever. As always with this crew, we adventure somewhere unknown. One of the great perks of my bourbon life are surprise phone calls with my dad with a quick question and a much enjoyed long conversation. What was his question again? Well, I don't remember. I'm starting to think he just called to talk. And these days, that means everything to me. I think there's a, enough good information there for a good episode, right? I hope so. Yeah. This has been another spirited episode of the Bourbon Library. Until next time, I'm Ryan Bayless, reminding you to drink is to live. Thanks for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, kindly take the time to rate and review our show wherever you're listening. It will help us grow and make more episodes. Remember to follow us on Spotify and tell your friends about the Bourbon Library. Do you have a bourbon you think we should try? Let us know and we might just feature it on a future episode. And we'll be sure to give you a shout out. If you're listening from Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, turn on those notifications so you know when we drop a new episode. All right, bourbon lovers. Until next time. To drink is to live.